you know, it's in our interest to to work together with the communities for them to um, first understand, you know, what we're doing, um, the importance of recycling and composting, what it can do for the environment and everybody's um, quality of life. And so, you know, it's good to get that kind of understanding and buy-in from the community. Welcome to Science Town, a podcast about the most unique research community on the planet. With every episode, we will bring you cutting-edge tech, science, and startup culture through the eyes of pioneering men and women. Their journeys cross disciplines and cross borders in the pursuit of world-changing science. Hello, welcome to episode 21 of Science Town. I'm Julie West. Two Kaust Agritech startups are bringing innovative food production technologies to communities in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and other global locations. Idama is an organic waste recycling facility that provides desert agriculture solutions, and Natufia has developed the world's first smart indoor kitchen garden. Mitchell Morton of Idama and Gregory Liu of Natufia joined me in the studio to talk about sustainable food solutions for communities and homes and also space. The startups joined forces to compete in the first phase of NASA's Deep Space Food Challenge in 2021 and were among 10 international winners recognized for their low-maintenance closed-loop food production ecosystem. Enjoy the conversation. Your tagline for Adama says, Organic Waste Recycling Solutions for Desert Agriculture, which immediately captured my attention. What are some of your waste recycling solutions for growing food in the desert? And who's using your product? So essentially what we do as a company is develop large-scale centralized composting infrastructure. Um, So we'll set up a composting facility for large communities, towns, uh, cities, municipalities, um, and collect all of the the organic waste being generated locally and and recycle that using uh, the latest composting technologies and systems into high-grade, high-value soil improvers that deliver the best benefits that they can for local soils and the local hot arid conditions and so we've been working to develop kind of formulations you know the mix of the different organic waste feedstocks um, developing systems and technologies that are adapted to heat and working on tweaking and improving the product at the end so that we can you know grow plants better using less water and fewer resources. Okay, so does that mean your focus is the kingdom or deserts everywhere around the world? Um, so our products and, and systems can be deployed in hot, arid conditions around the world. Um, so, you know, we're just, we're, we're based locally, we're focusing locally for our, our growth, um, but no, it's not limited to, to Saudi's desert, no. Yes, okay. So as the chief plant scientist at Adama, how does your expertise shape the product? Uh, so during my PhD at Kaust in plant science, I was working on, on developing, um, working on, on researching the, the mechanisms for salinity tolerance in plants. And so for that, I was running quite a lot of field trials in, in Saudi Arabia and around um, the Gulf. And so I had a lot of firsthand experience um, growing plants and with agriculture in, 
you know, in the local conditions. So I noticed that the soils were, you know, not the same soils I grew up with in, in Europe and, you know, looked like they could do with a little bit of help. And so I grew up in a family where composting was, was always something that we did at home. Um, and so I started looking into whether composting was being done locally and found that essentially not on any, any significant scale. And so with a few, a few friends, we, we teamed up and started Adama to bring composting and compost to, to Saudi Arabia. Your website states that your product improves soil fertility and increases crop yields up to 100% and reduces water use up to 75%, making soil resilient to droughts and flood, which are really impressive stats. So what accounts for that success? Let's, let's talk about what is actually, obviously there's organic waste, but, but you've mentioned that there's a soil improver <laughs> added, so, which makes it seem like a secret magic ingredient. So <laughs> tell, tell us about that secret magic ingredient. So I mean, you know, Compost is a soil improver, essentially. It's a product that you add to soils to improve its chemical, physical, biological properties. Um, compost really is, is, is a magical product in itself. Um, it you know, provides nutrients to the plants. You've got a lot of nitrogen in there and lots of micronutrients as well just to nourish the plant. Um, it's full of organic matter, which helps um, improve the, the tilt and the structure of the soil. It helps the soil hold on to water more effectively, hold on to any fertilizers you might apply as well, improving the efficiency of, of any fertilizers you use. Um, it improves drainage um, and uh, also inoculates the soil with um, beneficial soil microorganisms and those have been shown to really support plant performance in many ways by suppressing other um, diseases and pests and by forming symbiotic relationships with the plants to help um, exchange nutrients between the soil and and the plant and so you know compost really does does a million things and uh, all of that kind of comes together and improving yields by, by really quite surprising amounts and um, improving resource use efficiency as well. At the same time, we do you know, test the formulations of um, you know, how we mix the different ingredients at the beginning. Um, so, you know, you can't make a fantastic uh, compost if all you use is date palm fronds. You know, that's, that's not going to give you all the stuff that you need. So we take great care in assessing what waste materials we have at the beginning mixing them together in, you know, in intelligent ways to make sure that the nutrients are balanced, the organic matter is balanced, and, and we also control our process a lot, test quite thoroughly throughout to make sure that the product comes out at the end um, is a really high quality. shift to Gregory here, because whereas Adama's food growing focus is in the field, yours is in the kitchen. And I understand that could be homes, offices, restaurants. What inspired you to create this indoor garden technology? 
Uh, this is really from, from my background. I have a background, uh, I did mostly uh, real estate development, real estate business, real estate investment. And a few years ago, uh, when I sold my company, I diversified and, uh, and I bought uh, an olive plantation in, uh, in Sicily. And then I started to spend time there. And that's why I really reconnected with, uh, with nature. <clears throat> and also, uh, you know, when, when you start to grow, when you start to do agriculture, then I realized how oh, everybody comes to my door and try to sell me pesticides, um, preservative, everything like that. And I really bought this to, for pleasure. It was like a, a pleasure business, like a hobby business. And, you know, that's really made me realize the, the problem that we have in these cars. And as an entrepreneur, I felt, okay, that's something interesting to solve. And with my real estate background, I felt, okay, why we cannot bring back this uh, experience of, uh, you know, growing food, be close to nature, right in, in people's home. So that was really the, the step what made me, you know, decide to, to do that. And uh, when we started to, to develop this concept, um, we figured, we didn't have, know that from the beginning as well, but we figured that, um, you know, greeny leaves, as soon as you, you cut them, you kill them, actually, uh, they start to lose all the vitamins in question of, uh, of hours. So the benefit of, um, of growing home and consuming right away, besides the fact that they're organic and they're fresh, you also get the nutrient that, uh, that unfortunately today you, you don't get when you buy, you know, vegetable from the, from anywhere from the store or other places. So what, what kind of food are we, are we talking about growing? Uh, we can grow pretty much anything. Uh, we have a focus on greeny leaf, mostly for the reason of the, of the size of our machine. Okay. We don't have to forget that's, you know, that's in home or in restaurant and usually it's limited size. So we try to keep, you know, the, the plant that are small. So cherry tomatoes, lettuce, um, kale, basil, uh, but we can go also to a um, more medicinal plant like, you know, chamomilla. Uh, we even tested saffron, so we, the, the the range is wide. It's just let's say size limited. Nice. So I I have come to your lab and I've seen your Nutifia garden systems. But for our listeners, describe uh, what they look like. And do you have one kind or do you have different kinds? So we have two. Um, we have two systems. Okay, we have uh, one system that is is really look like a fridge. Actually, is the size of a fridge. Is integrate like a fridge. And um, you have colons, and on these colons you have uh, pots that are attached, and uh, and the plants are just growing in these pots, and we have um, a computer that's um, that's managed, you know, everything. I can go in, in detail in, in if you want to, but um, pretty much what the computer does, he water the plant, put the light, and uh, and the plant are just growing automatically in this uh, in this unit. And lately, we just launched a new unit this year. That is, um, this one is a little bit more simple. It's like just a pillar that you will put in your in your house, and this grow plant pretty much the same way. Uh, is just a little bit less uh, automatized. It's just you know light and and water schedule uh, compared to the other one that's uh, you know calculate the nutrition amounts, manage the pH, manage everything like that. Because uh, our technology is based on uh, on hydroponics. Right. So are they starting with seeds or starter plants? I'm trying to... So really, if I walk you through the, the journey, okay, you, you know, you install your machine and then we sell uh, little seed pods that are, you know, seed that are in a, in, in a little pod that is big like a, like a finger. And, uh, and inside we have a seed. So you put that, we have a little nursery and you will leave it in the nursery for about you know, 10, 15 days, according to the plant. And then you will have a plant that is few centimeters high. Then you take it, you move it 
to what we will call the mate chamber, the pot. And then the plant will keep growing until its maturity. And let's say salad after, you know, 30 days, you, you cut it and you consume it and you put another one as a constant cycle. You know, by the way, we use, you know, maybe 95 less percent water than, than what you're going to grow outside. And the electricity we use, you know, LED light, that's, you know, doesn't bring a, a big cost on the electricity bill. So our machine produces between one and two salads per day. So what we felt is a, you know, is a good um, production for for house. Yes, I. that's a good point that you detail some of those hidden benefits. You're listening to Science Town. I want to come back to Mitchell for a moment. What What's involved in, in, in the operation side of what you do? Are you advising everything from construction, permits? Maybe walk us through um, some of those steps. Yeah, so we do do the whole, the full spectrum of, of a composting facility project. So we will start from designing the facility, um, starting just the conceptual design um, We'll do a feasibility study and identify the potential waste um, resources we have around. That might be local municipal landscaping, food industry byproducts, um, food waste from residential areas. And so we'll study what kind of waste streams are available to us and we'll size and design the facility accordingly. Um, do all the engineering and for construction drawings we do procurement and all the construction management um, commissioning and then yes operations of the facility itself production of the final product marketing sales so really we take take control of the whole whole value chain there um, and so as a company you know we we look for waste generators who want to manage their waste streams more sustainably um, and we approach them as clients for, for building the facility. So that's what we've done for Kaust, for example, and building a facility here. Um, and then and then we have the other side of, of the business, which is really selling the products that we make as well. And so those we will sell to landscapers, um, farmers, home, home gardeners. Okay, okay. So are you able to say, give an example of one of your biggest end users of a facility? So for the moment, we have a relatively small production happening at Kaust at our first first commercial scale facility. A lot of that um, product will be going to the local landscaping services. So for, um, you know, maintaining and developing the landscaped areas around Kaust. Um, for our next big projects, we're really looking at the the Saudi greening projects as, as a big um, customer for the product. So, you know, Saudi... Um, launched the Saudi Green Initiative um, recently, which aims to plant 10 billion trees around Saudi Arabia in the coming decades. And uh, there'll certainly be a huge demand for, for soil improvers, soil products to make sure that those trees you know, survive. And um, and so we really see that as a great opportunity for us to, to come in and, and supply those materials. I know that educational outreach is a part of what IDAMA does. Uh, so, Mitchell, how are you working with communities to advance education around healthy soil? Often we rely on, on our local communities to supply us with um, organic waste. And so that will be food waste from residential areas, for example. So it's important for us that households segregate their waste correctly, for example, separating the organics from their plastics. 
Um, otherwise, what we receive at our at our facility can be contaminated with plastic, and and that can be an issue for us. So um, it's often good to work with schools for this. Um, you know, schools generate quite a lot of waste in the, in the canteens and things, and kids are often great ambassadors to go back home and and ask you know the parents why they're not segregating properly or teach them what they've learned at school to segregate better. Um, so yeah, it's it's quite important for us to work with with the local communities, um, you know, for for the business to work well and for us to be able to have the impact we want on society and the environment. And I guess that extends to your maybe persuading larger organizations, even government agencies maybe, to participate? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, all of these projects start off with having to find um, someone who wants a facility be, facility to be built for their community and to recycle the waste that they are generating. And that can, you know, that was a, a, quite a difficult conversation when we started four years ago. I think um, people maybe weren't quite ready for, for the idea, didn't quite understand why all this was, was that important. But uh, recently we've seen a, a massive shift in people's um, in people's mindsets and the government, Saudi government in particular, um, has really bought into um, the importance of sustainable waste management. They've set very uh, ambitious goals um, to go from, for example, 95% of waste going to landfill currently to 95% of waste being recycled in 15 years. And so that's a huge, a huge objective and ambitious target to meet in such a short amount of time. Um, but we're glad, you know, that we, we kind of started a little bit ahead of the curve and now people are catching up and we're having, having uh, much better interactions with, with large waste providers. Gregory, who's using uh, your gardens? Who are you finding are the people wanting this technology? So we have really a, a diversity of, of people. You know, when we built this machine, this was really um, the focus and our idea was was really private people. Okay, but um, you know, to make sure, I mean, to grow plant is one thing, um, but to grow plant that tests, you know, good and, and feels good and have the right texture is, is another thing. So we put uh, you know several machines to test with uh, with chef. Uh, to make sure that the test, you know, comes out right, and same thing to dose the nutrient the right way, to dose the, you know, that the pH uh, is the right way, and uh, to use the right seeds, and um, and from that we figured that actually chefs were very interested as well to use uh, this type of um, of product, and they were very interested to use that for for two things: to have a you know constant supply of uh, you know product that they know and they always know it will be there, and also for biodiversity. Uh, I think today we have a very big limitation when you go to the shop of the type of uh, of plant you can you can eat you can buy, and you know the the world of a, a huge biodiversity. I mean, basil maybe you have two type in a shop, maybe three type. Uh, you have 150 sort of basils. Uh, so that's just to give an idea when you do fresh things that you know you can really completely you know expand you know the, the type of diversity people can can buy. So we have yeah we have chef um, and we have a lot of uh, yeah private uh, private people. And in terms of geography, we have a lot of clients in uh, in the US. Uh, we have Europe, uh, Middle East, and uh, we have uh, Australia as well. So the, the only territory we didn't touch yet. 
because we did not have the time and we still like you know growing companies Asia actually. So why might an individual choose this instead of growing herbs or lettuce in their own backyard? Actually, we have clients, um, you know, especially I think about a few clients in, in California who actually grow plants at home and even they bought the Natufia to complement that. Um, and California, I took this example because California has a perfect climate to almost grow, you know, all year round. Uh, but when you grow plant outside, um, you know, you are dealing with uh, competition, insect, you know, people come to you know, to eat. I remember even in my garden in, uh, in, in, in US, I remember this tomatoes was almost ready and I felt, okay, I'm going to wait a couple of more days. And after a couple of more days, I come back and a raccoon just, you know, ate it. <laughs> so it's kind of, yeah, you compete with, you know, other one, if you don't want to start to put pesticide and, and you know, this type of thing. So I think our, our client, they want something that is natural and they want to have the control over it. Uh, and, you know, a lot of climate doesn't allow you to, to grow year-round, as well as the fact that, they, you know, growing in your house, in your kitchen, it's, um, I don't want to say it's therapeutic, you know, but it's, you know, they feel to have that in the, in the kitchen is makes something a, a different feeling. And, you know, they bring really the, the nature inside the, inside the home. Yeah, no, I like that. Science Town, brought to you by Kaust. You know, I never would have imagined the two of you coming together to collaborate necessarily because it seems the focus of your uh, businesses are different, but um, you did join forces to compete in the NASA Deep Space Challenge, which called for new food production technologies involving minimal resources and limited waste to provide nutritious food for long-duration missions. And you were among 10 international winners for phase one of this challenge. How cool is that? So congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so uh, how did you, um, maybe Mitchell, um, you can answer First, how, how did you find each other? How did this collaboration come about? And what does this phase of the competition recognize? So I think, you know, what brought us together, like our, the common the common denominators, plants really, right? So, you know, we make a product that that is designed to support plants and, and help them grow. And, and that's also obviously a Natufia's business also. And I think uh, really just one day Gregory came came over to to our office, kind of you know looking for looking for partners, people to to join forces to to put together a project and a solution for this this competition. And uh, so after a few meetings, I think we we sketched out a a cool idea, which was you know, essentially to bring together Natufia's um, Natufia's uh, indoor hydroponic systems with Adama's composting solutions and essentially make a compact composting system which would collect all the organic waste from around around the spaceship and uh, turn that into nutrients and growth media to support the hydroponic um, hydroponic systems and, and growth of food in that way any waste made from the hydroponic farm would go back into the the composting system and make a nice kind of closed loop circular solution to grow food, nice, healthy, nutritious food in a resource efficient way. Yeah. And Gregory, can you can you add to that about 
maybe when you first saw the competition and yeah, I mean, what I, went through your mind? Yeah, we, I was, you know, reading different articles and I, you know, and, and I saw that and I felt it's, it's very interesting to, you know, to grow food in space. And, you know, really the competition was to, um, to grow food for a mission of, uh, of two years in, uh, you know, going to Mars or on Mars. And uh, it was a lot of different parameters in terms of, you know, how much energy you use, in terms of size, in terms of uh, nutrition value that you're going to produce. Um, also, you know, the man hours that they will put to manage the, the, the product. So all these parameters were, you know, difficult and, and interesting. And, um, and I saw that Natufia really at the part where we could grow. And, uh, and you know, we... You know, I heard about Edama before and we, we met even be before that. And when I saw that, I felt it was very complimentary uh, because we have the technology to grow plant very, you know, automatically efficient way, uh, even in, in very, you know, small space. And, um, and Mitch, with the, um, with the compost, uh, even if they do big scales, uh, you know, to reduce this on the scales that, that we can definitely use it with, uh, with that. So for me, it was like a, you know, like a perfect match. I think one of the major limitations for the design of, of the solution was that it should be shouldn't be reliant on on supply missions, you know, or in any kind of resupplying. So we really tried to reduce the amount of resources that you need to put into the system to get material out of it. And so yeah, the the closed loops um solution was, was great for that. You know, I think our water consumption is, is extremely low, barely barely any needed. We don't need any more seeds or nutrients in the system. It's all really self-sufficient. I think some of the other solutions were, I, don't, I think I remember kind of 3D printed beef patties or something, which, you know, I think you still need to feed that system with the, the primary ingredients to get it, get it out. Um, but, uh, and, I, and I think as well, I mean, it's, um, I think when they review our system and, and we spoke with some people, it was, uh, you know, it had to be done in a very close room. And I think as well for the astronaut, when you, you know, when, when you're in space there and you have no touch with nature or anything, uh, you know, we didn't speak about the you know, psychological aspect, but I think it's, uh, it's a room that uh, the astronaut will, will appreciate a lot, you know, to, to spend time there. But exactly the closed loop, I think that was the, the main point that, you know, we have no waste. I mean, we, you know, human waste, plant waste, you know, any waste in the station could be, could be used for, for growing plants. Wonderful, you got that kind of recognition. Uh, did it invigorate your respective businesses or, or bring attention that you could leverage in some way? Maybe, you know, Mitchell. Yeah, I think we we did get a lot of a lot of attention after that. You know, our Twitter and Instagram were quite accounts were quite happy to to receive some some interest there. Um, lots of kind of um, interviews from local local media outlets and things um, and just generally like the, the cows community as well has been very very supportive and everyone keeps congratulating us um, and yeah we, we hope to be able to participate in, in the next phases we just to see if we can pull together some resources. Okay. Well, one focus of the challenge that I was surprised about is to grow food for people on Earth as well, not just in space. And there's a food security component. So maybe each of you could talk about how your organization relates to food security and if relevant, even circular economy goals. You know, food security was one of 
one of the driving factors I think for for us starting the company. Saudi Arabia is facing a lot of you know food and water security issues um, in the near future. I think Saudi produces 20% of its food, but uses 80% of its freshwater resources to make it. So it's it's quite an inefficient um, agricultural system here, mostly due to the conditions, you know, the climate and the soils. And so really that was a big reason why we started the company. We wanted to um, make local agriculture more sustainable, more resource efficient, more productive. Um, and so, yeah, definitely something very important to us. Yeah, and, and I mean, Natufia is the same. I mean, really what, what we believe in, you know, foundation of, of Natufia, we want, um, you know, people be able to take control a little bit of uh, of things, you know. Uh, I think right now we see, you know, big projects, you know, big corporation, uh, and everybody's dependent on, on the system, you know. Uh, but being able to grow your own food or generate your own electricity or generate your own water, Uh, I think it's give a, a lot of uh, you know freedom to the people, and uh, and I think this is very very important. So that's really the the concept, you know, what why we feel that, and uh, we speak about on individual level, you know. But if every individual can be free, you know, it's, it's the same thing for for a nation, you know, on a nation scale. You know, you know so often, well, you mentioned this was a side project, so to speak, uh, but so often it's the side project that stimulates the next steps that businesses take. Um, are you are you seeing that? Has this um, produced anything unexpected that you might integrate in your strategic planning? Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, we, you know, I love and I think Mitch as well love this, you know, this project we work on. Uh, and we, you know, I think it's something that is really feasible and um, maybe in space, actually, in a couple of weeks, I go to meet the, the space commission in Riyadh anyway. So it's not something that that we put in aside. We're still, you know, working on it. And um, and to put that in, you know, in community level or in houses is completely something that is um, that is feasible. Uh, and I think, you know, we will go back to, to this, you know, at some uh, at some point, you know, for sure. Wonderful. So what's a, an interesting fact about each of your organizations people might not know, but you're, you're proud about and you want to share? Is there anything that stands out? You know, and we started really, our goal was just to, to, to bring food, food home, you know, for people to be able to grow. And, um, and when we see people using this machine and when we, you know, we speak with people and they tell us, you know, what is the experience, um, You know, we have people who start to explain us how they change the, the food a bit. You know? Like, you know, I'm, I'm from France. So in France, when you're hungry, you go to your fridge, you take butter, you take cheese, and, and that's what you eat when you're a little bit hungry. But you have people who say, you know, I'm, I'm not doing that because I feel I feel guilty when I pass in front of all this salad, you know, during the day. And instead of making my sandwich, I'm just, you know, making a, a salad or things like that, you know. The fact that, you know, because we're bringing food and, um, and we're bringing food right in the house, And people pass in front of it every day. They they are even changing the habit, and they're changing the habit just because they are they are really close to to nature, right in right in the home. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that would help me change my habits too. Um, although my habits are mostly healthy, I, I tend to go for things like olives and you know crackers, <laughs> dates. Actually, I do I do go for the dates. I had like. A fun fact about about us is that when we were um, when we were starting off and and testing the product that we were making, 
um, on plants. So we would you know, do these experiments and compare the performance of plants grown in normal soil or soil that we've added our compost uh, product to and also comparing it to alternatives in the market. In our first handful of experiments, like the results were so good in our favor that I, I was sure there was something wrong. I think we were, we were having five yields that were five times higher than than any of the other treatments, and and I kept kept telling our CEO, I don't want to publish these yet because like I don't know, it's too good to be true. I'd spent my PhD kind of trying to get tiny little beneficial results, you know, and really trying to squeeze squeeze as much as we can out of it, um, but. Now results were were so good at the beginning that uh that I, I I didn't want to publish it, but then we did keep repeating the experiments and kept getting the same the same results. So so eventually, I did trust in them, and it was just that the product was was so good <laughs> that uh that that was that was there were good results. Gosh, that's really good to hear. Mm. Kudos. Um, when people put compost, put their food scraps in their home compost before you get it, it could be everything from eggshells to even fish. Do people know not to put fish bones? Or can you put fish bones in animal products? Or are they supposed to not do that? No, once you are composting at a large enough scale and using kind of advanced enough technologies and systems, you can essentially compost any organic material. So fish bones, meat bones, um, all of that is is okay. Um, and so we always, you know, we'll, we'll send out, you know, posters and information to to our waste generators to let them know what they can and can't put into the organic waste bin. But essentially, we you know we'll be taking taking all organic waste. Fish is a great uh, ingredient for for composting. They've got a lot of um, you know rare micronutrients that aren't unavailable in in other waste streams. And so, so now we're we're very open minded with the organic waste that that we accept. And and doesn't I'm imagining that the material would mold and but the, but somehow it all goes into a big yeah. vat and it's. <laughs> I mean, the key thing really um, is aeration. So as long as your system and your materials are being aerated and oxygenated during the process, that, that really limits a lot of the, probably the more foul-smelling kind of situations you might be thinking of where you've left your organic waste in a plastic bag for a week with no air. And so, you know, oxygen um, drives a process called aerobic decomposition, and that's a much more... Um, a much more friendly process that doesn't produce odors, doesn't produce nasty molds or or anything. And so, we have big, you know, a major component of our facilities are the aeration systems that that aerate the the process in in a controlled way to avoid any of that. Mitchell Idama is behind the Kaust composting effort. When when did that start? So. About two years ago, I think we we um, met with the vice president for facilities management, Matthew Early, and uh, introduced the idea. You know, introduced the company and and our mission, and uh, he loved it. I think he'd set up um, similar waste management systems at the previous university he he worked at, 
and uh, so he was you know already familiar with it he was already on board and so together we you know put together um plans for building a facility at Kaust and we just inaugurated the facility last um last month and started receiving all of Kaust organic waste um at the facility and so that's 5000 tons of organic waste every year and uh, yeah we started composting already we've got our first uh, few batches on and within a couple of months you, you should see it uh, available in the local supermarket and uh, we're really proud of that achievement um you know that's uh takes cows from about 14% diversion from landfill to up to nearly 70 80% so you know it's a great achievement for cows in working towards its net zero waste goals um and something i think we, we can all be proud of as a community absolutely are there any partnerships you're you're proud of that you want to highlight um we've been working quite closely with the saudi investment recycling company for a few years now um that's a pif subsidiary who's kind of you know the organization in saudi that's in charge of modernizing and developing um a modern waste management system and so they've been very supportive and we we hope to to start developing some projects with them soon to roll out composting around the kingdom you know we'd like to see major composting facility in in every major city in Saudi. Hey these projects are um, really fascinating and um important uh to to have in our community so and globally the global community. So thank you both so much for joining me on this podcast today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. It was our pleasure. Thanks to everyone who took part in this episode. Science Town is produced by Alex Arias and Julie West. Until next time, thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of King Abdullah University of Science and Technology, also known as Kaust. You can find us on all major social channels wherever you get your podcasts and at sciencetown.kaust.edu.sa.